Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 308. If you're looking to book a balcony stateroom on Royal Caribbean, you might be surprised by how many different kinds of balcony rooms there are. This week, we take a deep dive into all things balcony staterooms and share the differences between this popular stateroom category. Here we go. Without a doubt, the most popular stateroom category I think that I hear from all cruisers, new and veterans, are balcony rooms. Balcony rooms offer a tremendous amount of space and also, of course, a private balcony to enjoy a view from. And having your own balcony means you have a special spot on the ship for just you to enjoy. And that provides views all around the ship, as well as that ocean breeze. And many cruise fans swear by a balcony for that added space, private area, and the ambiance that really only a balcony can provide. As you move up the categories of Royal Caribbean staterooms, Balcony rooms come with more space compared to interior rooms, and as anyone who's cruised before will tell you, every square foot matters. What it really boils down to when you're talking about a balcony room is it provides you more privacy and, of course, space. So when you have your own balcony, it means a great spot for sail away, enjoying the ocean passing by, or maybe even seeing in the port you're docking in from the comfort of your room. In fact, in a lot of different ports, being able to just step out and enjoy the view is a really nice perk, especially if you don't have to get fully dressed, you know, just put on a a coat or a bathrobe or something like that and enjoy it. But there's a lot of variations of a traditional ocean balcony, and we're going to talk all about those on this week's episode because a lot of folks really do, I don't want to say struggle with the decision, but you have to weigh a lot of the different options that are there. So, of course, we'll start off with the traditional ocean balcony. This is a balcony stateroom in which your private balcony offers you a view of the ocean. Every Royal Caribbean ship in the fleet offers some variation of this. And in most cases, with the exception of maybe Empress of the Seas or Majesty of the Seas, you have a lot of choices for balcony rooms because you're going to be really balcony rooms have come into becoming the norm. Back in the day, if I was Billy Hirsch from cruiseabbott.com, I'd regale you about the nuances and and then how, you know, balcony rooms were really kind of the exception. And nowadays it's changed, but ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> if you want to go check that out, I'm sure Billy will tell you all about it. But in the meantime, I'm here to tell you that balcony rooms have are now really the norm. And you go on any Royal Caribbean ship that is that was built in the last 30 years, you're going to have a lot of balcony or ocean-facing balcony rooms to, to consider. And this basically is a larger room than maybe an interior room with plenty of space and, of course, a private balcony area. The exact square footage of your balcony in the stateroom itself will vary considerably depending on the ship class and a variety of other factors. But the basic premise is you have a room, which has you know, your bathroom, your bedroom, probably a couch, sitting area, and then you have the private balcony area to go out there. In most balconies, there is at least two chairs and a table. If you get some of the larger balconies, you can even get maybe some lounge chairs. In fact, one of the best tips about balcony staterooms is if you can get what's called a hump balcony. And basically, if you look at the superstructure of a a Royal Caribbean ship, if you were to look at from the top down, so you look at a deck plan, great example of this, you'll notice that around the centrum areas and other spots on the ship potentially, the superstructure jets out a little bit. And balcony rooms in this area get a larger balcony space. On older ships like the Radiance and Vision class ships especially, you get some ginormous balconies. And the best part is the price is the same no matter what. It's the same as if you booked a regular room or a hump balcony. They don't really differentiate. 
So as a result, you can get a really good value by getting a much larger balcony. In fact, in a lot of cases, these hump balconies are will rival the amount of space you get with a suite balcony. That's that's how significant it is. So, you know, they've that, that certainly stands out. On the newer ships, the hump balcony significance has been diminished. I think Relic Urban kind of figured out, hmm, we could charge more for these. We should put suites over here. And so you get a lot less of that uh, square footage in that balcony with some of the newer ships, but it's still there and it's important to know. The other type of balcony that's really interesting or kind of lesser known are aft balconies. Aft balconies are balcony rooms that are on the back of the ship. And again, on some of the older ships, even the Voyager and Freedom class ships, you get some significant large balcony space back there. The reason why aft balconies are kind of a popular choice among veteran cruisers is because depending on the itinerary, not only do you get more square footage, but you can also get a pretty interesting view. I know in Alaska, a lot of people will swear not only by balconies, but also by aft balconies to have all that extra square footage and the views out there, especially in a place like Alaska where you have such sweeping views is great because of course, when you have an aft balcony, there's nothing blocking your view. You're not looking on the side. You have more of a, I would say 180 degree view obviously the rear out the rear of the ship, but it gives you more to look at. So if you're someone who wants to spend a lot of time out there, the aft balconies are an interesting choice. Of course, I would argue the problem with an aft balcony is that you have to walk back and forth. Your room is always at the end of the hallway. Uh, I'm, I'm at the point in my life where I, I'm always trying to minimize the amount of walking I'm doing uh, all the way to the back of the ship. But hey, to each their own, right? You always have that possibility. But regardless of which bal ocean-facing balcony you, you get, I mean, the appeal is truly that you have your own private space. You get to go out there anytime you want. Uh, the views of the ocean, the ocean breeze, reading a book out there, having your breakfast brought out there is a really nice perk. If you do order room service or if you just bring food back, you can always have it set up on your ocean balcony. So if you order room service and they come in, say, would you mind please setting it up on the balcony outside? No problem at all. And a lot of people swear by this option. I can't tell you how many photos I've seen from people who've gone cruising before and have had a balcony room of their breakfast set up on their balcony. It's just like quintessential cruising moment for a lot of people. And I don't blame them one bit. It's really, really nice to have your coffee out there. I remember when we sailed in Alaska last year, we got a couple times, we were in the glaciers. I would go down, grab some coffee and bring it to my wife. And we would be watching the glaciers go by from our balcony. In fact, I think... <laughs> In Alaska, I brought two cups each, one to drink, one to hold to keep us warm. But it was it was a really nice view. I mean, I don't think anyone here will ever tell you that the balcony stateroom is not worth it in the sense of the views you get, the ambiance. There's a lot of great reasons to get an ocean-facing balcony. There's just it's it's a classic cruising room and experience for a reason. I, I think it really stands out. But that's the classic one. Let's move on to some of the other categories because up until um, 10 15 years ago that was really your only choice but in the last decade or so Royal Caribbean has started offering other types of balcony experience first and foremost we have the interior balconies with Oasis of the Seas and other Oasis class ships that came afterwards Royal Caribbean introduced neighborhood balconies these are balconies that instead of facing the ocean face the inside of the ship and you've got two types. You've got Central Park balconies and you've got Boardwalk balconies. Central Park balconies are a balcony that offers a view of the Central Park neighborhood. These balconies offer the same fresh air and light that ocean view balconies do, but with the opportunity to enjoy the ambiance of Central Park along with people watching aspect. In addition, 
Central Park balcony stateroom's often are cheaper than ocean balconies. Now, the exact size of a Central Park view stateroom with a balcony is 182 square feet with a 50-foot square foot balcony. Central Park balconies are available on Oasis, Allure, Harmony, Symphony of the Seas, and if you're listening to this episode in a couple years from now, whatever new Oasis class ships have come out since then. So uh, they're available on there. Now, Boardwalk balconies are just like Central Park balconies, but instead of a view of Central Park, you have a view of the Boardwalk neighborhood. And just like the Central Park balconies, the people watching aspect is really what it's all about. Now, Boardwalk balconies, if you get one that's all the way in the end of the hallway towards the after ships, I would say four to six rooms from the end, you can actually still get a view or a partial view, I should say, of the ocean, but it's not a full view. I wouldn't book them for the view of the ocean. It's just kind of a added perk, if you will. A boardwalk balcony room offers 182 square feet of living space with a private balcony between 47 and 52 square feet. Now, again, the benefits of the neighborhood balconies are that they typically are cheaper than the ocean facing balcony. So you still get a balcony experience for a little bit money savings, but I would argue the best reason to book one of these rooms is by far something called the Dine, Drink, and Discover option. These are neighborhood balcony stateroom perks that Royal Green gives. Since almost the inception of these rooms, Royal Green has been offering for a number of years now these basic benefits. By booking a neighborhood balcony, you get special perks that are not available to the ocean-facing balcony, and here's what it is. Let's start with the boardwalk balcony rooms. If you book a balcony room, you will get a complimentary meal for up to four guests at Johnny Rockets. You'll also get a uh, a complimentary soda package for two guests and a exclusive session at the rock climbing wall. If you book a Central Park balcony, you'll enjoy a complimentary lunch for two at Sabor or Giovanni's or Jamie's Italian, depending on what ship you happen to be on, a complimentary bottle of red wine uh, in your room, and a complimentary private casino gaming lesson in the casino. Now, all three benefits for each stateroom are not transferable. You can't pick and choose which ones you want. You can't trade them and you cannot upgrade them. So if you have your complimentary soda package, no, you can't upgrade that to the deluxe package. Either take it or don't take it, but it's free. It's part of the thing. There's nothing extra to do. It comes with your room automatically. So there's nothing special you have to do. It'll just be there. And it is a really compelling perk for a lot of folks, especially I would say the first two perks of each. With the boardwalk room, you get that Johnny Rockets meal and the soda package, which if you've got kids, is a really big deal. And then for Central Park, that complimentary lunch at either Sabor or Giovanni's or Jamie's Italian, depending on what ship you're on, is a really compelling one as well. And that free bottle of wine is a free bottle of wine. You can't go wrong with that. I think the rock climbing wall and the casino gaming lesson are kind of things that most people don't take advantage of. But hey, it's there if you want it. But the bottom line is you're getting these things for absolutely no additional cost. And again, these rooms are cheaper than the ocean-facing balconies. Now, the common concerns I hear about these rooms are noise and and weather, I guess. Let's start with the noise factor. Is it loud in there? No, I don't think so. I mean, during the daytime, can you hear some stuff? Sure. I mean, in the boardwalk, you're, there's going to be activity on the boardwalk. In Central Park, the pool deck is basically above you, and you can sometimes hear the band in there. But at night, when you're trying to sleep, I have never experienced an issue personally with noise bleed or anything like that. I don't think I've ever woken up to like, you know, hot, hot, hot coming from playing somewhere else out there. I think it's fine. Um, it, you know, it's obviously to each their own kind of perce perceive these differently, but I've never really had any issue with it. In fact, I would add one of the real benefits of these rooms is that people watching and ambiance. That's what I love about these rooms. Central Park, especially at nighttime, it is gorgeous. They pipe in some, uh, uh, 
sound effects, if you will. There's like, it's supposed to be crickets, but don't worry, it cuts off at about 11 o'clock midnight or so. So it's not going to really impact your sleeping ability. Not that you'd really hear it all as well. But also in Central Park, they have live music at, in the evening and you can just sit on your balcony and enjoy it, which I absolutely love. The boardwalk, again, you get to see, if you have a boardwalk balcony room that is all the way at the end, you might even get a view of the aqua theater. You get to see everyone what's happening on the boardwalk. It's a really, like, if you're, if you enjoy seeing activity, and kind of just checking it out, it's a great spot. Now, with that, I should also mention that both the Boardwalk and Central Park balcony rooms face each other. What I mean is, since they're interior rooms, they're basically both set up in a overlooking the neighborhood, and that means there are state rooms on the other side of you. So, what that means is somebody could potentially see you in your balcony or even into your room if your curtains aren't drawn. Again, for some people, that's not a problem. It never bothers me. I'm never... I'm not one to go on my balcony, you know, and let the ocean breeze <laughs> find its way, if you know what I mean. I, I kind of, <laughs> it's not my style. Some people I think enjoy that. I don't know. Anyway, the bottom line is, you know, I don't think it's a huge deal, but people can see what you're doing over there. So, you know, canoodling on your balcony, if you're doing a Central Park balcony or a boardwalk may not be the best idea. Of course, I would argue that even on an ocean-facing balcony, people can still see what you're up to. <laughs> so... Uh, you know, to each their own, but I got to put that out there. Now, the other aspect is, of course, the, the weather and the breeze factor and how stagnant it is or not. There's no doubt that an ocean-facing balcony gets a lot more wind than interior balconies. There's still, there is still wind there, and depending on the weather conditions, this will vary considerably. There's no way to definitively know, but, uh, you know, certainly in the warmer months of the year, if you have a Central Park balcony, I definitely agree that the balcony can get a little bit warmer than perhaps the ocean-facing balconies do. Again, this is just physics here with the wind, you know, being able to come into the, you know, Central Park is more of a cavernous uh, area. The boardwalk, at least, you've got the open-ended aqua theater in the back, so it helps a little bit more with that. I don't think these are really considerations. I would, it, I wouldn't even think about these issues when I was booking one. But if you're like, if you're really set on that picturesque view of enjoying the ocean breeze blowing through your hair as you enjoy the sunset going. Okay, you're not going to get that in neighborhood balcony. But again, I think the value you get with these neighborhood balconies is really the reason to book it. Although, I'll admit, I book the neighborhood balconies because they're available. When I'm on an Oasis-class ship, have the choice to mix it up, I like to choose those. Obviously, on other classes ship, pretty much any other class of ships, Quantum, Freedom, Voyager, Radiance, Vision, Majesty. I mean, you have no other choice. It's ocean balconies or, or nothing. So go from there. Now, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about suites because suites are balcony rooms and they are the high, at the high end of the stateroom options that are there. And boy, you've got some really compelling choices when it comes to balconies on suites. I mean, the balcony is probably like the second or third or fifth amenity that comes with the room that you really grabs attention. I mean, the reason to book a suite is simple. You want to indulge on your cruise and splurge for something a bit more than the norm. Like a balcony is great, but you want to get a balcony with a ton more space and a lot more service. Suites offer a tremendous amount of personal space, higher end amenities, special bonuses, and even exclusive access. So, you know, from junior suites to presidential suites, there's just a number of options to choose from, including you get the concierge, you have the Royal Genies. I mean, the, you, we've done episodes about the Royal Suite class and some of the suite benefits. So I don't want to go too much into this, but when we're talking about balcony space, uh, you know, look, a suite is taking, you know, a balcony will, you probably double, triple, or even quadruple the balcony space you're going to get with a standard balcony if you move up to a suite. It depends on the suite category and a variety of other factors. But, 
you know, at the end of the day, you are getting that ocean facing balcony and there are no suites that have interior facing balconies. So, you know, you've got that as a, as an option, but really when you're caught, when you're talking about suites, they are, I mean, obviously they literally are in a different category, but it, it's more, I believe when you're booking a suite, it's less about the fact you have private balcony space and more about the service and, and options you get with that stateroom category. I don't think anyone really books suites for the larger balcony space. I'm sure it's a consideration, but I think really when you're going to a suite, you're no longer thinking purely about, oh, I want to have a private balcony versus not having a balcony. Now it's about that level of service you get. So, And there is one more category of balcony. It's actually a virtual balcony. And this is a really intriguing idea. And I want to talk about this for a little bit because it gets some attention. Virtual balconies are a relatively new idea that came out in 2014 on Navigator of the Seas. And it's basically an inside stateroom that has a virtual balcony, which means it has a 80 inch LED high definition TV that provides live views around the ship. So imagine an interior room, four walls. On one of the walls, you have an 80 inch floor to ceiling television that offers a real time high definition view of outdoors. Now the screens are uh, 4K ultra high definition capable. And as I mentioned, they go from floor to ceiling and receive a live video feed from the ship's cameras that are mounted at the stem and stern of the ship. What's cool about it is it provides a, a balcony experience in that you can see outside. Obviously you can't go outside, you can't feel the ocean, you can't smell anything, you can't hear things though. It does pipe in music, or audio I should say, from outside so you can, you know, if there's a bird going by and it squeak, squawks, you'll, you'll hear it, you'll hear the ocean. It's kind of a neat idea. I would argue that when you look at a virtual balcony, you should not compare it to a regular balcony. It's it's just night and day difference. What you should be comparing it to is an inside room, an interior room, because in my opinion, a virtual balcony compared to an interior room is a better option. I'd rather go for the virtual balcony because at least you have a view of something and it's nice to have that. I would never sit here and tell you, oh yeah, a virtual balcony is comparable to a regular balcony. It's, it's not, I mean, you're never gonna, a facsimile is never gonna be the same thing or even close to what the, the real deal is. But um, again, I think if you're looking at it, say, oh, should I book an interior room or a virtual balcony? I will always book a virtual balcony because why would I ever pick four walls with no view versus four walls and some sort of a view? It's kind of a neat idea, right? And you can turn the virtual balcony off. You can, you know, it's not like it has to be on all the time. There are actually curtains provided. So if you want to have a the ambiance, like, you know, at, in the morning, right, you want to have like when the sun comes up to have like sunlight peeking in, just draw your curtains and, and keep your virtual balcony on. You can mute the audio. What I like about it, my favorite thing about the virtual balcony is you do the virtual balconies off at night, you're sleeping, you wake up in the morning, you're like, you know, you know that feeling when you're on a cruise ship, probably sea day, and you're kind of just want to take it easy and not really go too nuts with everything, but you're not ready to get out of bed yet. What's great is you can grab the remote from your nightstand, turn on the virtual balcony, and still enjoy that view without having to get up, which is a neat little idea. So again, it's, it's a cool thing, but don't compare it to a regular balcony. I don't think it ever really will be there. I mean, obviously the, the compelling reason also to do a virtual balcony versus another kind of balcony is the price. A virtual balcony will cost you significantly less than a regular balcony. But again, if you're looking to book a balcony, you're probably looking for the, I think the outdoor experience, which the virtual can't do, but it's a neat idea. I give Royal Caribbean a lot of credit for simply uh, coming up with it. I think, it, I still think it's neat, but there you go. There's a wrap up of the balcony rooms that are available for you. They'll have their benefits. My favorites are definitely the, I love the, the neighborhood balconies for the value they provide. You know, ocean facing balconies are great. 
Neighborhood balconies offer a lot more for less money, but you're still getting that private balcony experience. But again, it depends what you're looking for, where you're going, and of course, which ship you happen to be on. Some of these options I mentioned may not be available to you. So hopefully this helps answer those questions. And I would love to hear in the comments for this episode, what type of balconies do you prefer and why? Of the types we've outlined here, of which there are many, I'd be really interested to hear which ones stand out to you. All right, let's answer your Royal Caribbean emails. These are the emails you sent to me to be answered on the podcast. And if you want to send me yours, send them to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week comes to us from Tabitha Friday, who writes, Hi, Matt. I haven't cruised in 16 years, and boy, have things changed. Thanks to you and the great people on your blog message boards, I feel very prepared. I do have a question about Coco Key. I want to purchase the beach loungers for two. However, they're not available to pre-purchase on my planner. It does say not available to purchase online, book on board. Is it possible I missed out and they're sold out? Also read somewhere that they may be doing construction on South Beach and that may be not available at all. Got any information on this? By the way, we're selling on Harmony of the Seas, July 7th, 2019. Tap them. All right, so let me answer both those questions. Um, I think you're still before the construction begins, although that is possible. One thing, anybody who's cruising to Perfect Day, Coco Key in uh, the second half of this year, 2019, you should understand that they're gonna be beginning construction probably, I would imagine, very soon on the last phase two of Perfect Day Coco Key, which is to add the Coco Beach Club. That is the ultra ritzy exclusive area. We'll have more details about that on the blog as it was when we come closer to it. But it's gonna be located on South Beach. Essentially, if you know where currently there's like this dock or not a dock area, but there's like a, a deck area and kind of near the smoking section between basically where Chill Island and South Beach meet, that's essentially where it's gonna happen. But there's been a lot of things that are moved around there in order to make room for it. Anyway, I don't think that's the issue here, Tabitha. When you see something on the cruise planner that says not available for purchase online, book on board, that is usually code for it is sold out. But, 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 don't, don't lose all faith. What I would do, two things you need to do. Number one, keep an eye on it. You never know, people cancel all the time, so always look for that. But even if you get to the, your, it's your day of your cruise, embarkation date, still not available, go on board the ship immediately when you get on board, go to the shore excursion desk and inquire about it and then ask to be put on a wait list if, if, if at all possible. Usually that works out. I think there's a little bit of availability there. So hopefully, Tabitha, that will work for you. I, I can't obviously promise anything, but that's what I would do at the very least. So next, we have an email from Christopher P, AKA CPATVing from Texas. Welcome, Christopher. Quick question about the Voom internet. I currently use my phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot as my kids for my kids' iPads when we're traveling in the car. I plan to buy the internet package on our next cruise aboard Liberty. If I leave the hotspot feature on my phone turned on, will kids still be able to connect to it or does the Voom service detect something like this and not allow it? Chris, thanks for the email. So actually it's none of those. It won't work, but the reason is when you use your hotspot, we're gonna go a little geeky here. When you use your hotspot at home, basically the internet comes to your phone from the cells the cell tower, right? Your cellular antenna grabs that and then redistributes the internet through your Wi-Fi signal, the antenna, right? And distributes it that way. The issue is when you're on a cruise ship, you have your antenna turned off. You're getting your internet through the Wi-Fi. And since your phone only has one Wi-Fi receiver, it can't redistribute it at that point, Christopher. So it won't work. So basically when you connect to the Voom via your phone, the because you're using your Wi-Fi to connect to the Voom, you can't at the same time use your Wi-Fi to redistribute it back out. So uh, in this situation, that will not work, Chris. If you want to have your kids have internet, you'll have to buy a multi-device plan or 
potentially just log out yourself and let them use it. You know what I mean? So it's one, if you buy the one device plan as an example, it's one device at a time, not per person. So you can always log out of your phone, let your kids come on the iPad, and then, you know, vice versa, keep going back and forth as you see fit, or buy a multi-device plan, that way you both can be on concurrently. Next, we have an email from Katie Gregory, who writes, Hi, Matt, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I've learned so much listening and reading the blog to prepare us for upcoming cruise. We'll be sailing on Harmony this season, your favorite ship, and doing the Eastern Caribbean with a stop at Coco Key. My husband and I have sailed Royal Caribbean before and have been on Oasis-class ships before, but this will be our first time on Harmony. We're bringing our kids for the first time, ages 8 and 4. They're extremely excited for the trip and constantly talk about it. My eight-year-old daughter keeps telling us she has been waiting her entire life to go on a cruise. I know you're going to Coco Key soon, and I thought I'd ask a few questions. I see that for Splashway Bay, the height requirements a maximum 42 inches. I'd like to know if you see this being strictly enforced. We're not going to be doing the water park this time because our kids are not tall enough. I know my daughter will be frustrated, though, if she's too short for the water park, but too tall for the kids' slides with her being 46 inches. I would love to hear what your kids thought of the new additions to Coco Key. Lastly, could you please give us an idea of what type of food is served at Chill Grill. Thanks for all you do. We hope to enjoy, join you rather, one day on a Royal Caribbean blog group cruise. Katie, thank you so much for the email. First of all, my kids loved it. The, your kids are gonna have a blast, Katie. I mean, th there's no doubt in my mind. So a couple things. Uh, when we're talking about the Splashaway Bay and also the, uh, you should also know Captain Jill's Galleon, they're very near each other and they both offer a very similar experience. The water slide thing, the maximum 42 inches, I'm not sure why they put that there. Adults can go on these slides. I mean, they, I asked them and they're like, the wife, lifeguards are like, yeah, sure. It's built for adults, but no, you'll have no issues there whatsoever uh, with your kids being able to go on those slides. And quite frankly, there's a fair amount to do in both between Splashaway Bay and Captain Jill's. You know, really you've got, I mean, they're, they're, they're juvenile slides, right? But for your, for your eight and four-year-old, which are exactly the same age as my daughters, I don't think you'll have any issues. They had a great time going back and forth, just going down, you know, each one. And you know how kids are, right? They just want to keep doing the same thing and then go back and forth between the two of them. I don't think you'll have any issues there at all. Um, and I definitely not tall. Like, like I said, I don't think you'll have any issues going down those slides. In terms of the, uh, my, my, what my kids thought about the new, they loved it. I mean, we did, my kids, obviously, we did the water park as well as Splashway Bay, Captain Jill's Galleon. Uh, they never actually made it up. We did the pool, the Oasis Lagoon pool when we were there in March. So they've done that before and we didn't go to the beach this time at all. But I'll tell you that they they really loved the, the experience there. And I think that you will find, Katie, that if you're not buying the water park admission, that's totally fine. You'll probably, what I would recommend is grab your, go to the, go to Splashway Bay and or Captain Jill's Galleon first spend as much time as you need to over there, then maybe break for lunch and then go to the Oasis Lagoon pool to kind of chill out a little bit if they want to. I mean, knowing kids, they'll probably just want to go back again. But the nice thing for adults is there's seating around there. There's limited seating around Oasis Lagoon and, uh, or sorry, around, uh, not Oasis Lagoon, around um, Splashaway Bay and Captain Jill's Galleon. So you may have to compete a little bit for that, but uh, the kids are gonna have a great time there. In terms of what food is available, there's a ton of, Chill Grill has the most variety of food. You're, you've got burgers, you've got hot dogs, you've got chicken, you've got Cuban sandwiches, you've got vegetarian. So there's a portobello mushroom thing that's really good. There's uh, salads, there's fruit. Uh, but my favorite place to go to for food is actually the Snack Shack because you get the, the crispy chicken sandwich, which I absolutely love. Really, really nice. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of that. So, you know, maybe one of you watches the kids with the other one grabs lunch. But there's a ton to do, Katie, because I remember when, before Perfect Day, when we used to go to Labadee or Coco Cay, we would always lament the food selection on these private islands. We love the private islands, but 
I mean, you know, burgers, hot dogs, and, you know, chicken wings doesn't really do it for us. Like, we're just like, ugh, it's not our favorite food in the whole wide world. But what's great is with this, with Coco Key and all the upgrades they've done here, they've added a ton of new choices, and I love that variety. So, I think you're going to love it a lot, and I can't wait to hear about it when you get back. So, please do me a favor, send me an email when you return, so that way we can hear all about your family's experience. Next, we have an email from Jay in New Hampshire. My family and I are going on our first real carbon cruise in November, and I've been listening to your very helpful podcast and working on my my way back through the episodes. I have a few questions I've yet to hear addressed, so apologies in advance if they've been previously beaten to death. Number one, I have a very strong allergic reaction to unusual food, like sunflower seeds. Unfortunately for me, they are becoming more popular and showing up in unexpected places, like cookies, candy, dinner rolls, etc. How well does Rokami deal with food allergy issues, especially unusual and potentially fatal ones? Well, Jay, that's a good question. Um, you should definitely let your any any restaurant you go to, let your waiter know about it. If you're going to the Windjamer, uh, just grab, ask to speak to a manager. They can actually walk you through. I've seen the chef do this. They will walk you through the entire buffet and be like, "This, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. This is okay, This, is, you know what I mean? So don't hesitate to reach out. They're very accommodating, very good about it. I don't think you'll have any issues whatsoever, but definitely speak up. Don't assume, especially if it's that important or that uh, critical for you. Uh, ask to speak to somebody about it. They'll be happy. One of the managers is happy to walk you through all that. Uh, Jay, second question. While researching private excursions recently, I ran into a dive shop operator who routinely closes in November due to generally bad weather. Is the weather that bad in the Caribbean in November? No, not at all, Jay. Um, I think what they're really probably referring to is that it's not the peak season for them. I don't, I'm not sure why, actually, because actually, now I think about it, the winter is peak season. Like, there's more tourists who come to the Caribbean in the wintertime than the summertime. I don't know, but I don't even know why they're referring to bad weather. I mean, uh, you didn't mention which port it was, but... Um, you should not worry about it one bit, dude. Not one bit. I've been, I've cruised in November, I've cruised in December, October, September. Uh, no hesitations whatsoever. And Jay's last question is, we've got to stop in Costa Maya that seems, uh, that so far seems the most underwhelming port of the cruise. Any suggestions or thoughts for that stop? Costa Maya is a man-made port and it's still relatively new. So you may have to do, this is a great port to do a lot of research on. My favorite thing to do in Costa Maya is go to a place called Maya Chance, an all-inclusive spot. Uh, the reason why I like it is the level of service is amazing. Really, really great. We have some blog posts that we've done on the blog about uh, Maya Chan, um, M-A-Y-A-C-H-A-N. I've been there a number of times. It's great. If you're looking for something a little more low-key or less cost, uh, you've got Crazy Lobster, which is a beach you can take a taxi to. Um, most things you have in Costa Maya require a form of transportation. When you dock there, you'll get to the port facility is rather large, but it is a man-made port. I mean, you can just get off the ship and, you know, just hang out there and, you know, walk around for a little bit. Maybe in this port, you opt to stay on board the ship and not do anything. But Costa Maya is just one of those things that requires a little more research ahead of time. There are Mayan ruins you can see. As I mentioned, there's some great beaches and uh, spots for food, drink, and, and everything else in between. But the bottom line is, I think you have to plan it in advance. Not the, It is not the port to wing it, in my opinion. So, Jay, thank you for the email. Really, really appreciate it. Let's move on to our next email, and it is from Drew from Watertown, Massachusetts. Just got back from a nine-night, check that, ten-night Bermuda and Caribbean cruise aboard Anthem of the Seas. When we were booking the cruise, the price difference between a balcony and guaranteed suite was pretty small, so we followed your mantra and YOLO booked the suite. We ended up in a junior suite, and it was a huge mistake. We had so much fun and enjoyed it so much that I don't think my wife will ever be able to cruise in anything less again. <laughs> and I see what she did there. We arrived at the terminal at 10.15 a.m., and with the priority check-in and embarkation, we ended up in the Solarium by 10.45 even with the stop to make reservations for specialty dining on the way. 
I know you said that Junior Speeds are extra large balcony stadiums, but they really seem much larger, and with all the little touches, we really enjoyed it. Also, I think one of the performers, Matt Yee, will be on Anthem of the Seas for the start of the Royal Green Blog group cruise in July, and if so, put the kids to bed and check him out. He's tons of fun. I also have to give a Royal Caribbean kudos on a job well done when our cruise was unexpectedly changed from nine to 10 nights. We had a medical emergency on board day eight and had to divert to Nassau to evacuate a passenger, an unexpected stop that clearly was not gonna get us to Bayonne back in time. Royal Caribbean was in a tough position, but obviously made the right call getting the passenger off the ship to receive medical care that they needed. The captain made the right call and did a great job of keeping us up to date as best he could. A lot was contingent upon our arrival and turnaround time in Nassau, so it wasn't until the next mid-morning when they had sorted out the Bayonne arrival and how they could accommodate passengers with affected travel plans. I can't imagine all the work on board and shoreside that went into getting the new logistics worked out, but kudos to all the work they put in and keeping the safety of our passengers first. The captain did also update us that the individual is recovering, so good news there. Um, and P.S. My wife also wanted to mention a tip we learned by accident. Not sure if advertised much, but she wanted me to share it. She has a higher crown and anchor society status than I, so we always book her as the primary to get the higher level benefits. After taking talking with a Royal Caribbean representative for another unrelated issue, he let her know this is where we're married. They would upgrade me to the higher status. It wasn't something done automatically, but be sure to ask for it. We listened to your podcast together and we hadn't heard it mentioned, so thought it would be good to bring it up. Drew, I am so glad you had a great time despite the extra night there, so even better. But it sounds like it's a win-win all around. I'm so sorry to hear that you're now a sweet snob and uh, you have to pay for those rooms now. But Drew, I'm really glad to hear you had a great time. And you're right about that last tip there. Um, if you, once you're married to somebody who has a higher crown and anchor society status, you can definitely level up to them. And same is true for kids as well. So if you're not seeing it in your, in your status, in your reservation, because one of you, regardless of who it is, it has higher crown and anchor status. Whoever's the highest member in the fa the family household, other people in the same family will get that will receive or honor the same status. If you don't see that, you can either call Royal Caribbean up or speak to the loyalty ambassador once on board your ship. That's a good way to go about it. So, all right, I think we have time for another email or two. Let's keep things going over here. We have an email from Michelle from Arlington, Virginia. Hi, Matt. I've been listening to your awesome podcast for years and really appreciate the time you put in and the expertise you share. Our family of four, which are two adults and two teens, are looking forward to our very first cruise in July, a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise on Harmony of the Seas. We can't wait. Here's my question. Our last up is Cozumel, and I was planning not to pre-book an excursion so we could call an audible that morning, depending on how we felt based on the rest of the trip. I just discovered that we are one of five ships in Cozumel that day, meaning almost 20,000 cruisers will be sending in Cozumel roughly at the same time. Am I crazy for not pre-booking anything? We're tentatively thinking about Paradise Beach or Chuckanob National Park, uh, as Mr. Sancho's and all other all-inclusive options aren't quite right for our family. But either way, we're just gonna jump in a cabin on our own rather than booking an excursion. Appreciate your advice and thoughts on how well Cozumel can handle this many people and whether uh, winging it can work under the circumstances. Michelle, I'm here to tell you that actually five ships in Cozumel is pretty much average. Uh, in some ports, that might be a lot, but Cozumel, no, not so much. I think you're fine winging it, quite frankly. Especially at Paradise Beach, uh, where, you know, you can kind of show up there and see how it goes. You know, the more ships in port, obviously, the more inundated places like Paradise Beach may be. But you, the nice thing about Paradise Beach is there's such a low cost of entry that you can go there, and if you feel it's awful, you can leave immediately, you know what I mean? So I think you're, there's nothing wrong with what you're doing. If you were talking about seven ships or more, yeah, in that situation, I would probably pre-book something. If you're truly concerned about crowds, I mean, then you really have to look at a place like Nachi Kokum, which limits the amount of guests there. But 
Honestly, I think you'll be fine. Don't forget also ships coming in different schedules. So I would look at that. In a lot of cases, Michelle, in my experience, like carnival ships tend to come in earlier and then leave sooner, royal ships say later. You may see a, a, a variation in the crowd, especially as people start to leave because they have to get back to their ship. So look at that as, as a consideration. But honestly, I don't think you're doing it wrong. I mean, Cosmo has so much to offer. It's one of the more uh, veteran or established cruise ports that are out there that it is built for the cruise industry in the sense that there's so many things to see and do there. I, I, don't, I just don't think you're making a mistake by going about it that way. So hopefully that answers your question there. Thank you, Michelle. And our last email today is coming to us from Annabeth who writes, my fiance and I are going on our honeymoon cruise on Harmony in October. I've done tons of research on the ship, so I feel like I have a pretty good idea of the layout and things offered. The only thing I'm not certain about is where we can watch a sports game. I've been on some ships that had a sports-themed bar, but from everything I've read in St. Harmony, it does not. Am I correct here? If there is no bar dedicated to watching sports games, what are my other options besides turning on a game in the room? Good question. Uh, the On Air Club is the, where, is the place to go. On Air Club is on the Royal Promenade. They have a lot of TVs there. Typically, you'll see sporting events being shown over there. I remember going there during college football season, and everybody's over there watching whatever they're watching. So that's option A. Option B, don't forget, Annabeth, you're on Harmony of the Seas, which has some of the fastest Wi-Fi on board. If you get the Surf and Stream Voom package, you can probably stream some of the games from on your on your device, tablets, uh, whatever, you know, from home. So just set up your phone or tablet with your, you know, cable package or whatever, and you should be able to stream those on board the ship. And so if there's a game, especially if it's a local game and not a nationally televised thing, you may have a lot of luck there. Keep in mind also, this group of all ships, the games shown on board may not be uh, exactly what you see at home because Royal Caribbean's contract, they have like an international television plan. So in a lot of cases, they get some really obscure games. That's why you see a lot of like cricket and weird games that that's just a weird not american games on board the ship uh they do a pretty good job with like national events you know when it comes to like playoffs and um uh, you know ncaa tournaments and things that get a lot of like the super bowl you'll see those on board don't worry but if you're looking for like you know a random you know la dodger game in the middle of july yeah you might need to stream that from home because i doubt they have that on board you can always inquire about it it's not a bad choice. So, Annabeth, look, uh, you know, talk to the staff on board, but keep in mind, streaming it may be your best option there. And thank you to Annabeth. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of the Royal Cream Blog Podcast. Really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.